0: Okay, a confession now. Last October, listeners to Planet Money, you may remember there was this huge storm that hit New York
1: City. Hurricane Sandy. It knocked the Planet Money podcast off the air. And turned me and uh, Zoe Chase into breaking news reporters for at least a little while. We ran all over the city reporting on the storm, the devastation. We were in Midtown, Battery Park, far Rockaway,
0: Queens. And I ended up on Coney Island, the tip of South Brooklyn, this iconic New York beach. It's home to this classic amusement park. And I had to file a story for the afternoon show on the devastation there. So I went to go check on, of course, the rides. This is the sound of New York City during the hurricane generators. And the gate was open, and so I stepped inside, sort of picked my way through the mud and the sand to the foot of the Wonder Wheel, which is this huge Ferris wheel. It's this big old-fashioned steel ride with these big cars that slide around, and it, it just towers over the beach. That's where I found Dino Vuderis. I'm a reporter with National Public Radio. I'm just trying to get a little bit of a sense of how the rides are doing at Coney Island and everything. Our
2: park is devastated. We're not, we're not doing very well.
0: I'm so sorry. It's okay. Thank you. What's your name? Who are you? Uh, D- Dino John. I'm one of the owner's sons. Dino was just taking stock of the total disarray, the total destruction of his family's amusement park. And he walked to me inside their mud and sand filled haunted house that was sort of underground called the Spookorama.
2: This is our scary house. So all these motors have to be replaced. We we'll tried turning them on after we cleaned them. We got nothing. So just be careful, everything's slippery and, you know.
0: Thank you very much. We were slip sliding all over the sand and it was. The apocalypse. It looked like a riot had happened in a haunted house where zombies had attacked skeletons and left heads lying everywhere. The further into the dark we went, the scarier it got.
2: You see how we're going farther down? Now we're up to five, almost, that's five feet.
0: It totally covers that scary guy in the electric chair with the skull.
2: Yeah, he's gone. I mean, everything here is gone. The more you go, just don't walk here.
0: That's all hollow. Okay, now here's the confession. It's super embarrassing for a news reporter, which is I got totally caught up in this scene. Dino looked miserable. This is gone. This is gone. This is gone. He kept taking them off. We're out of business right now, he told me. And I ended up doing kind of a premature obituary on the place. So three days after the storm, this was how I ended my report from Coney Island. Here in Coney Island, if you look up, everything looks normal. You can still see the Wonder Wheel standing over us. But when you look down, everything is caked in sand. It's hard to imagine if these rides are ever going to move again or how long it's going to take the lives of the people here to get back to normal. Zoe Chase, NPR News, Coney Island.
1: Wow, listen to that music. It sounds like it sounds like they're having a funeral on Coney Island.
0: I know. <laughs> what? And I wonder why. It was because I basically told them that was what was going on. So a couple months later, I went back out to the Spookerama And how wrong I was. opening day of the Wonder Wheel Amusement Park, not only did the amusement park open right on schedule, but the rebuilt, refurbished Spookarama, it was scarier than ever.
3: Oh, my god. Ew. It's in her. Oh my
0: god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Ah! I rode the ride with Alay and her cousin Danielle. They added some new stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's scarier than usual. I, <laughs> I felt
2: like, like I was to in a scary movie. <laughs> <sighs> oh,
0: my oh God.
1: But I'd always tell you where I am.
4: In a screaming ring.
0: Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Robert Smith.
1: Today on the show, an economic case study. What brought Coney Island back to life so quickly?
0: There is a complex interplay of money, politics, and informal relationships that all have to click together and work perfectly in order to get a big Ferris wheel up and running again. And we're going to go see.
1: So just after Hurricane Sandy hit last October, the New York Bureau of NPR was offline for a few days. And Planet Money did an episode about the invisible safety net that exists here in the United States to help businesses recover after a disaster.
0: Yeah, that's right. Hannah and David talked to a supermarket, Fairway, in Red Hook, Brooklyn. And the place, after the hurricane, it was totally trashed. Piles of wet food in the parking lot, the inside totally waterlocked. Almost all of its food, all its perishable food, just went into huge dumpsters. Chicken, fish, fruit, you can smell it walking by. The parking lot is a mess. There's a huge truck that says National Disaster Team. And the gates are closed. But the owner was pretty optimistic. He had flood insurance that would pay for all of the damaged goods. That would allow him to gut the store and remodel. And he even had business interruption insurance that would help him pay his workers while they did the remodeling.
1: And a few weeks ago, the store did reopen. And it looks great there. It's got wider aisles. It's got a new selection of food. It's, it, it, they did a wonderful job. And it's a lesson in what happens when this invisible financial safety net is working perfectly.
0: Coney Island, though, had a more difficult road to recovery. It did not work perfectly. The formal safety net was not there for them in the same way. Dino Vuderis, who gave me that tour of the wrecked haunted house, he said, no, they never got flood insurance.
2: Insurance is too much money. We can't afford it. It's like when you're in a flood zone, when you're on the water, it's really it's like, you know, they can't deny you insurance, but they can make it really expensive is one of those things where it's the insurance alone would have been like half of what we make in a year anyway it's like you, you can't really afford it it's like saying if your house is worth a million dollars insurance for that house would be a hundred thousand dollars a year it's like it doesn't really and it's and that's we don't even i don't even know now after the storm what insurance would be that was before the storm
1: So there was Dino and his family confronting this catastrophic flood, and they had no flood insurance. Now, right away, you may remember there were all sorts of promises about how businesses in Coney Island without insurance could actually get money. They were debating federal relief money in Congress, but that was moving slowly. It actually took months to happen. FEMA was all over the area offering immediate help, but they were focusing more on people's homes and safety right after the storm. There's the Small Business Administration, the SBA. They have loan programs, but but that kind of paperwork takes forever. So right after the storm, Dino
0: couldn't turn to these places. And in Coney Island, the clock has been ticking. I mean, a lot of these amusement park rides, they open in the spring. But there are some businesses that had to open even sooner. Like this guy, he had this tiny storefront right in the shadow of the Wonder Wheel. He sells candy apples. Every kind and color you can imagine.
4: You tell me what I do. Uh, What do I do? My name is Peter Agrippides. I'm the owner of Williams Candy. How long? 28 years.
0: Glass jars of gummy bears, Swedish fish, chocolates, sour watermelons, lollipops, marshmallow cakes, of course trays of candy apples you know i've been by
1: this store before and people cannot imagine how many different kinds of candy apples you can make with the red coating and with the caramel coating and with nuts and all sorts of weird candy floss on it it's an amazing store and the key is that agripedes does both a retail business to the boardwalk and a wholesale business and this turns out to be very important according to peter there are lots and lots of customers who could not afford to wait for their candy apples hurricane or no
4: we are known all over the world. I'm not telling you. I have people coming from New Jersey, 100 miles away for candy apples. I don't want to say this, but prime I have a monopoly here.
0: A monopoly don't- on candy apples? Who
4: who's got them?
1: Nobody. Okay, planet money listeners, do not tell anybody about Peter's monopoly on candy apples. That's how he makes his money. <laughs> so After the floodwaters recede from his store, he looks around and he still has all these orders he has to fill, these wholesale orders. He has no electricity, no Internet. And even though his store had been mostly destroyed, he had to start making apples again, move the equipment to an area that hadn't been damaged and start getting them out the door. Because if he didn't ship candy apples, someone else was going to take over his monopoly.
0: So how did you pay for all this recovery you had to do? We borrowed From everyone
4: that we could, whatever savings we had, we put it in here, we have a good store, we make a living, of course, we rebuilt it. That's all. We have relatives, we have friends, and we had a few dollars. It's all done, and it's nice, and I love it. I've been here all my life, in Coney Island, 65 years.
0: We heard this over and over again out in Coney Island. We can't wait for the official safety net to kick in. We have to go to an informal safety net, our friends, our customers. Now. This may seem obvious. People ask for help in a time of need. But in fact, this turns out it's a huge reason why some people recover from disasters. It's the informal safety net that matters. You have to have a good reputation. You have to be a part of a community that is going to return, have a lot of relatives, have a lot of people that will help you out. It does actually the same thing that insurance does to have an informal safety net like this, only faster.
1: We talked to this one political scientist who studies disasters like this one, Daniel Aldrich. He lived in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina, and he got obsessed with the idea of who comes back after a disaster and why. Now he lives in Japan, naturally. He's researching the aftereffects of the Kobe earthquake and the most recent tsunami. And he says that businesses with more connections to friends and neighbors simply recover faster.
3: We call this informal insurance. Informal insurance means... When the bank says, I'm not sure you qualify for the loan, when the SBA says, we can't give you any money right now, when FEMA says your application is delayed, informal insurance means you draw on those networks, you draw on the trust to bring in resources, information, financial aid, a place to stay, capital that you need. That's often a much more effective way for people to get resources after disaster than the formal networks of SBA and FEMA and so forth, which again are much slower deliberately.
1: It's funny, when you talk about informal insurance, it almost works the same way. You're, you're paying into it mm-hmm. by That's making right. these connections beforehand. And then when something unpredictable happens, it gets paid back to you.
3: That's right. I mean, the nice thing for me in this research was, you know, we also call this mutual aid. This mutual aid idea means that it, it cascades. Right? People have this trust. They have these networks beforehand. They're able to borrow money. The banks see them moving forward, making progress and then are willing to give them, let's say, more of a leg up than they might give some other business nearby that can't produce these kind of results.
0: This all makes common sense, right? But this warm and fuzzy idea, which is basically being a good friend and neighbor, is like an insurance policy. That is not all the vuderes family and their Wonder Wheel had going for them in their recovery.
1: Because this is America. And because it's America, there is this very American way to get money, a lot of money immediately when you need it. It's not quite the informal safety net. It is the financial for-profit safety net. The Vuderas family whipped out the American Express.
2: Most of it was the, on, on the Amex. <laughs> you know, we did have some money saved up. And, you know, a lot of it's coming out of, you know, everybody's personal accounts. But, you know, we're going to open. We're hopefully going to have a great year.
1: In the months after the hurricane, Dino and his family had their safety nets in place. They had their informal safety net from friends and family. They had their formal safety net from the American Express card. And they were on a mission. They were on a mission to open this spring. So not long after the storm, Dino's family flew to Orlando and they bought all kinds of stuff there to bring the amusement park back. A whole new fleet of bumper cars, new stuff for the rides...
0: They brought in this company, Scare Factory from Ohio, and those guys were climbing all over the Spookorama just a couple weeks after the storm, and they were planning a whole new line of goblins and ghouls to replace the old ones, kind of updated versions, like some of these older skeletons were sort of out of date, like this one that was smoking a cigarette from back when cigarettes were cool. They were going to revamp this whole place.
1: It was not easy to rehab everything in the amusement park. It took them months. It took them all winter long. And the whole time, they are looking for money. They applied for a $500,000 bank loan, and they are still, as of this day, (laughs) waiting to hear back. They applied for another big loan from the SBA, the Small Business Administration, and they are still, as of now, waiting to hear back about that loan. There is a formal system in place. Perhaps you've heard of it, Money for Sandy Relief. It was passed by Congress. About $51 billion dollars. But that money has not quite arrived to the shores of Coney Island yet.
0: Chuck Schumer, senator from New York, he was out at the opening day of the rides at Coney Island to cut the ribbon on the boardwalk.
1: We have here something that shows the resilience of New York. Anybody who doubts that New York wouldn't come back bigger and better and stronger after Sandy, well, we've erased those doubts today.
0: Right. Thank you American Express, thank you life savings and thanks to friends and family tapping their personal accounts, right? The informal insurance network that the Ruderes family finally kicked into gear and Schumer says the federal money, the formal insurance package that we all know, it's coming, it's coming seriously.
1: Businesses that lost had to make repairs will be reimbursed for those repairs, so go ahead and do them, keep your receipts. Make sure it's all on the level and you'll get reimbursed. So if you're a business person here in Coney Island or anywhere along the waterfront that lost money because you had a close, there will be money to reimburse you for that. So keep going and reopen.
0: Keep going and reopen. And there's that term for what Schumer wants, that Daniel Aldrich, our political scientist, he referred to it as a cascade, right? As businesses open, customers come and then more businesses open. It's pretty basic, but somebody has to make a move. If Dino's family had been waiting for Sandy money to come from the federal government before they decided what to do about the Wonder Wheel and the Spookarama, they'd still be waiting.
1: And a lot of other people would still be waiting as well, waiting to see that Wonder Wheel moving before they opened their concession, their hot dog stand, their carnival games. And, and Aldrich has studied this phenomenon about who makes a move first. Who is the first person who walks back into a community and says, we are all going to reopen? And he said it's not unusual for someone like Dino, someone like his family, to take the lead. He says he saw it in Japan after the tsunami.
3: There's a baker who lived in a destroyed area in Tohoku, Uh, and his mom was evacuated, as was he, and the baker's mom said to him, you have to go back and reopen. He's like, Mom, but there's there's no one living in the community right now. Mm -hmm. She said, no, no, but you go open, you reopen our special local pastries and sweet store, you begin giving them normalcy again, right? Your presence will show them again that things are going. And it cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars to reopen. He had to buy the equipment from scratch and build buildings from scratch again in a destroyed area. But for him, I think... Part of this was about rebuilding the rhythms of normal life, and the businesses that you've described there uh, all sound like sort of part of the Coney Island experience, the culture that's there. They're tied into a local sense of place into local narratives, perhaps more than, let's say who knows, a local Kinkos uh, or a local McDonald's, you know maybe stories that are in a sense replaceable and interchangeable. And some of the programs that we've seen working here in Japan after the disaster tried to help those businesses reestablish as anchor points and sense of normalcy for people living nearby.
0: This is where Coney Island has something special going for it, which is this sense of tradition. It is this beloved place in New York City. And there are a lot of businesses along the shore in New York and New Jersey that haven't reopened yet. But the Wonder Wheel, the Candy Apple Store, they love this place. They love Coney Island. And from the moment the storm hit, they never seemed to have any hesitation about what they were going to do.
4: Don't you understand? We love Coney Island. We love our store. This is the, my purpose of being here. I've been here all my life. And now when the flood comes, it gives a thought, I'm not going to rebuild again. Of course I'm going to rebuild again.
1: And we did it. This is what you hear on the boardwalk and in Coney Island today, an unrelenting optimism about the future of the place and about how much work they've done to rebuild. We hear it from Dino Vuderes, who is so proud of all the work they did.
2: The good thing is, like I said, everything is brand new, so we won't have to change anything for a while.
0: Unless there's another storm.
2: <laughs> there won't be another storm. Let's hope, let's hope. And if there is, we're going to figure out another way to prepare for it. I mean, the, we've done some little things, like our spooker ride. instead of having a wooden floor, it's all concrete with with different kinds of drains.
1: You know, most of the people on Coney Island did not want to talk about the prospect of another storm coming. It was just they wanted to enjoy their opening day. They had just worked so hard. And frankly, there just is not a lot that they can do to forestall another storm. You know, Dino said, oh, maybe next time we can move our bumper cars up to the boardwalk, which actually did pretty well in the storm. The candy apple guy, Peter Agrippides, talked about how next time he would store his candy apples up in the roof of his store instead of down on the floor.
0: It took about 15 or 20 years for the Vuderis family to pay back all the debt from when they bought the Wonder Wheel in the first place 30 years ago. Now they're back in debt deep and They really will be okay. The investment will be worth it. Unless there's another storm. Unless there's another storm. I met up with Dino one last time since I prematurely buried his amusement park. On the first day back, he was working the Wonder Wheel. And I met him at the foot of it, working the buttons. He was glassy-eyed with lack of sleep. And the line to ride the Wonder Wheel, it was very long. And it just seemed totally, totally back to normal. Until... A bunch of kids barrel through, they all jump into one of the cars, and Dino acts all scared and and nervous, but he shuts the car door on them, and he's like... We never tried
2: putting six people in, but why not? What do you mean you never tried? (laughs) Hey, yo, Paul,
4: tell
0: my mama her. Is this old pre-hurricane gag that he pulls on the kids every year. And now, because there was that hurricane, it just makes it that much more fun. As always, let us know what you thought of the show today. You can send us an email, planetmoney at npr.org, or find us on the blog, slash money. I'm Robert Smith. I'm Zoe Chase. Thanks for listening.
3: Here comes the story of the.